Hello and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Jason Knight, and each week I'll be speaking to some of the finest minds in tech and product, hearing their stories and listening to some of their great advice for the rest of us. In this week's episode, Beyond Perseus, we'll be talking leadership. We'll cover product leadership, the importance of having a good manager and mentor, the importance of being a good manager and mentor. We'll discuss why a product needs a seat at the executive table and the importance of building a high-performing product team. We'll also talk about life in Toronto, one of my favourite cities, and try and agree on the virtues of stop-motion animation versus CGI monstrosities. If this sounds good, please join us for One Night in Product. So my guest tonight is Saeed Khan, a product consultant, coach, speaker, and founder at Transformation Labs based in Toronto. Hello, Saeed. Hey, Jason. How are you? I am very well, thank you. So I came to know Saeed a few uh, months ago when I was looking at uh, various pieces of his online content, webinars. Um, he's also the leader of a product leaders Slack channel, which, uh, which I joined and find uh, some fascinating hints and tips in there. Uh, one of Saeed's first uh, talks that I saw was a memorable talk called Don't Release the Kraken, which is a fantastic name. Uh, and the first question, obviously, that arises from that and possibly the most important question of tonight is, um, which of the Clash of the Titans films is your favorite and, and who's your favorite Kraken? <laughs> so so I'll say I'm old enough to have seen the original uh, Clash of the Titans from way, way back uh, in the 80s, I guess it was. Mm. Uh, and and I liked that one when I was you know younger. Uh, and then there was a newer one with uh, Sam Worthington, and uh, you know again not bad. Um, so I, I don't I don't know if I have a favorite. I, I've seen the, <laughs> I've seen the newer one several times, and uh, I, I kind of like it. So maybe that's my favorite. Yeah, I mean I, I will say that I'm not as much a fan of the new one. I think from my perspective, I'm a, a big fan of the old style kind of stop motion stuff, and just uh, it just feels a bit more cool or maybe it's just my um, massive retro kick but you know what can i say so i was just gonna say uh, for the time the, the that stop motion animation was great it was absolutely yeah what it, you know it's it's what what we had back then so yeah i can i can appreciate that it's like a minimum viable uh, animation or something like that right <laughs> so. So, uh, right, so you're based in, in Toronto, um, which is a fantastic city. Uh, how's the, the product scene in Toronto these days? Uh, how's, is there like a big startup culture over there? Is it, uh, is it kind of up and coming or is it kind of well established? Uh, no, it's great. Um, it's, it's, it's probably somewhere between up and coming and well established, uh, if that makes any sense. So, uh, you know, we've always, we've always been a smaller, um, had a smaller tech community, than you know, other places in the U.S., you know, so Boston or, or uh, Bay Area or Seattle. But in the last, I would say, let's call it 10 years, there's been a huge acceleration in uh, both uh, companies from Toronto and from Canada establishing themselves here, but also from other companies uh, from other parts of the world, you know, the U.S. particularly, opening office here. So, you know, recently we've had big openings from Google and Amazon and Microsoft and other companies. And I mean, Microsoft has been in Canada for a long time, but just expansion of, of their, of their footprint here. So, um, you know, it's, 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 I think it's great. We, there was a statistic and I'm still personally a little, um, skeptical, but I've seen it multiple times that there was, there were more high tech jobs created in Toronto. I think it was in 2019 or 2018, 
than in the Bay Area and Boston combined or something like that. Like it was just, you know, it's just a huge explosion. So I, I think it's a really good time and a really good, really good uh, high tech scene here. Hmm. And is the uh, Ontario uh, government very receptive to, I don't know, like uh, sort of re- removal of barriers for kind of startup culture or, or do you have to kind of compete on a level playing field with, with, with much bigger companies over there? Um, well, there, there, there has always been uh, a lot of support for R&D in Canada, right? I mean, don't forget that telephone was invented here, you know, that, that wonderful device we all use and carry with us now every day. Um, but, but no, we've had this long history, quite honestly, in Canada, you know, Nortel, everyone has heard of Nortel. And um, so there, but, and, you know, of course, Blackberry Rim was a big company, not, not technically in Toronto, but just outside of Toronto. So there's always been that, but, there, you know, they, they, those were the few exceptions that people heard of. And there wasn't a huge sort of base to build on, you know, you'd get these amazing unicorns and, and that would be it. Um, and oftentimes a lot of companies would start here and then, you know, either move to the U.S. or get acquired and, you know, become part of an American company. So so we didn't have that kind of um, critical mass to grow into that middle space, you know, sort of the midsize uh, scale kind of stage of companies. And um, and that's changed. That's changed significantly. And the government has helped. I mean, there are lots of different incentives for, for things. But I think the reality is that We've got some great universities, right? We've got, you know, University of Waterloo, which is where I went, University of Toronto, you know, McMaster University. There's a whole bunch of these universities with great uh, graduates coming out. And, and the, you know, I, I worked in the U.S., right? I, not right after I graduated, but I went to the U.S. I worked there for a number of years and then came back. And I think the impetus to go to the U.S. has been reduced just because we have a, a, a much better critical mass here. And so it's, it's sort of building on itself. Yeah, there's the government programs that help. Uh, there's just this history of high tech in Canada, and now we, we're getting this growth. And, and you know, now it's it's not us going somewhere else; it's people coming here, right? We're getting a lot of people from other countries coming, particularly to Toronto, but also to you know other places, Montreal, Vancouver, etc., for these tech jobs. Yeah, I think historically it's always been uh, kind of understood that, that places like Toronto and, and other sort of Canadian cities are like just a generally kind of high quality of life over there as well. So I guess that's pretty attractive if you've got the tech scene kind of lined up as well for, for people to land in as well. So sounds like it's a really positive time. Yeah, and, and, and quite honestly, not to get political, but the last few years of <laughs> kind of politics in the U.S. has certainly been helpful to Canada for people yeah. looking for some place to, to come and you know, be a bit more stable. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of different factors, I, I, I think. And, you know, I, I was actually having a conversation with, with someone about a week ago on this, and, and we were both just amazed at, like, just even five years ago, the difference, right? And you look at, you know, not, they're originally based in Ottawa, but they they have a big press in Toronto, but Shopify has just exploded, right, in the last, last couple of years. Um, yeah. And, and there's a bunch of companies like that that are on their way. So it, it's really a, it's really a good sight to see, I'll be honest with you. That's great. So Transformation Labs, if I were to boil this down into product speak, what problem does Transformation Labs solve for me or for, for our listeners or for companies? So so if I if I can be a bit of a self-promoter for a minute, you know. We, uh, <laughs> That's why we're all here, right? Uh, so, you know, the, the, the real problem I think we're seeing is because of this growth, right? Because, and it's not just in Toronto, it's in other people, this growth in tech, this focus on product now. Right? Everyone wants to 
you know, become product centric or product driven. Um, and, and it's still a young uh, kind of profession. And there aren't a lot of people who've had this experience. Right. And, you know, I, I've been working in tech for 30 years. Like literally I graduated from university. I had computer science jobs, you know, while in university. I've been in product management for over 20 years. So, you know, I work here. I worked in the U.S., you know, public company startup. So there, there's people like me as well. I'm not saying I'm unique in any way. Um, but there's people like me who've been around for a long time, who've seen, you know, a lot of the ups and downs. And, and, and my goal is really to help other companies succeed and not have to go through all the pain and hurdles that, you know, previous companies had to, right? It's, there's no point reinventing the wheel. Um, and product is complex. It's dynamic. It's changing. And, but there are definitely better ways of doing things. <laughs> and so I like to I like to say that I help bring that that insight to companies and help them accelerate their product success, help them accelerate how their organizations can succeed as well. So are you working a lot with uh, startups or sort of enterprises that are trying to be more product focused, or is it some some kind of mixture? Or how how does your how does your sort of general Profile of yeah. Generally speaking, I've worked with small to mid-sized companies. Um, large enterprise, I worked in large enterprise software. I worked for Informatica for a number of years. Um, what I've found is they, they have a different set of problems, and they often look for a different type of uh, help than I, I provide. So uh, although if there's any large enterprise listening, I'll be happy. <laughs> Uh, you never but, know. But, 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 you know, and obviously, given that I'm in Toronto, a lot of my clients in Toronto, but not exclusively, I've, I've done work for U.S. companies as well. But, but it's really, you know, that early stage of learning how to do things right. So, you know, I've worked with startups to help them do product research. You know, they, they don't know how to do it well. They kind of do it. They've done it a little bit, but they want to know how to do it right. Or how do we... How do we go to market better? You know, we, we can build things, and most companies can build, but it's when they go to market that they fail. So how do they position the message? Or how do they create a product strategy? You know, every, everyone's got a roadmap. Not every roadmap, though, is, is a real roadmap. You know, it's, it's more like a, a bit of a wish list. So how do we, how do we do it right? So what, we're, what we put on our roadmap is really tied to our business objectives and, 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 and kind of helps us succeed, Right. Because if we do the right things with that roadmap, that drives all the downstream activity. So it's really how to get those problems solved. And then on an organizational side, it's really how do we how do we build a product organization? You know, the, a lot of companies hire people and they're smart people and, you know, they but they're not a real well-run organization, right? In the right roles with the right skills, doing the right things at the right time. So to me, I in a way, I'm kind of like an efficiency expert for product. <laughs> so, see, so I think we said in the preamble, it's like you're almost like the the uh, the product uh, product owner of product companies in a way. It's like you, you your your product and your output is 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 effective product organization at scale. Yeah, I, I, I that's that's the way to describe it. Um, I just I just you know, and, and this is the bit of the the Canadian kind of biased person me. I, I want to help Canadian companies succeed as well. You know, I I love. I love the growth here. I, I don't have a preference for, you know, where my clients are. I, I, like I said, I worked with companies in the U.S. as well. Um, but there is, you know, I've lived here all, all my life, except for that time I lived in uh, in the U.S. And I, I really feel a little kind of sense of, you know, pride that, yeah, I'm helping helping these companies in, in, in the country I live in. So uh, it's nice to it's nice to see all this growth because, 
for a long time, there wasn't any. Uh, when I started in product management, which was back in 1997, you know, as, as I tell people, it was a millennium ago. Um, there were, there were honestly, I mean, I don't know the number, but there were probably a couple of dozen high tech product managers in the city. Like I honestly don't know, but it was a very tiny community. And I'm assuming that product management in general was, was very, was very different at that, at that time as well. I mean, I've you know probably been working in and around product for say like the last ten years and it's changed a lot even in that time. So it feels like if you're if you're looking back even further than that, then I'm imagining that it was very different. I mean, what do you think the main differences are now compared to then? Well, you know, this is a, this interesting question, and I, I I was asked this once recently as well, and I've thought about it. And I'll be honest with you, in a way, it was it was a lot more comprehensive and a lot less confusing. And, and the reason I say that is because, first of all, when I when I told my family I had worked in a software company prior, uh, and I want to get into product management, and and I told my family, you know, I'm, I'm if you if you know of anyone, you know, like if you hear of a product management job, let me know, you know, and not not that any of them would have had real contacts, but but one day this job appeared in the paper, believe it or not, you know, that's how long ago it was, right? That's when we looked in the newspaper for jobs. Um, but but it was for a product manager at a software company, and my sister in law called me and said, "Oh, look on page whatever. There's this job," and uh, and so so uh, and then you know the next question. So what exactly is a product manager? <laughs> and and I explained it to them, and they're like, "Oh, okay, whatever." You know, like great. Hope you get the job. Um, but 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 the, that lack of knowledge externally wasn't. A problem internally, like in the company I went went to work in, they really had a very clear definition of product management, and there was very little ambiguity, and it was a very holistic role in terms of business plus technology plus market, etc. It was, I, I mean, I, I feel very privileged to have had that particular role as my first product management role because it really gave me a very holistic view of product, and I had a, a really great manager. I mean, I, I can't I can't thank him enough. Um, and, and now, though, we've got, you know, product managers, obviously product marketers, we've got product owners, we've got product designers, we've got product this, product. I mean, there's, you know, and then all these different flavors, there's, a, you know, growth product managers and platform product managers and this. And, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I think for the uninitiated, it's a real uh, confusing place to go into, Right. And, and, you know, what's the difference? Why, why are there all these different things? And, and I'll be honest with you, and this is my bias, and if you've read anything about what I've written online, it shouldn't come as a surprise, but I think the whole product owner concept from Agile has really made a big mess of things too, um, both in terms of the name, because they don't actually own the product, um, but secondly, because that role has been inserted and, and in fact, overlapping into product management in a way that is not easy for many companies to reconcile. Uh, and so I think, I think all this kind of confusion has led to uh, a problem that we didn't have 20 years ago, quite honestly, because, uh, you know, you did it all <laughs> like who, who is this, the product manager, who this is the product manager, you know, but, but at least there was clarity on the responsibility and the focus. And whereas now there's so many different, uh, potential ways and titles and approaches that uh, I, I find that companies really need help uh, kind of sorting through that. And, and, and a lot of them come through the agile training first, 
you know, they go through the quote agile transformation. Ah. And, 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 or the uh, certified scrum owners and or certified yeah, scrum product owners yeah. and stuff like that. And I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to disparage that because I, I, I know the intent and I know, you know, I, I'm, there, there's a real kind of objective there, but it doesn't solve the problem for companies. Hmm. And, and so now they've gone down a path that they thought was leading them somewhere. It didn't get them to where it was. And now they have to find a new path. But they can't just start from scratch. They can't just go back to where they were. They have to. They have this org. They have this, you know, set of responsibilities, and they have to start changing that. And I, I find that often is a barrier because it, it just it's not starting from the right place. And so, you know, and I don't use this term a lot, but I've been thinking about sort of defining it better. But you know, they need to go through a product transformation. And they need to understand that that's different. That's very different. And it's different in some very fundamental ways. Uh, and it's a different skill set for many people. And, and they don't have training in it. So how do they build all that up? So it's a very different um, challenge than, let's say, 20 years ago. So that, that leads me on to, uh, obviously, thinking of some of the, the companies you've worked for and, and some of the goals that you have. Like, What would you consider the hallmarks of a good product culture within a company yeah that's a, that, that's a really good question um so first of all I, and i this is i am just thinking back to some of my blog posts on this from many years ago you know the first one is product has a seat at the table right there's an understanding of what product means and that there's a product leader a true product leader who has a seat at the executive table right so it used to be the case many years ago, and it was the case when I started that, you know, the product managers reported into marketing or the product managers reported into engineering or something like that. And that's still the case today in many companies. But in reality, you can't claim to be a product-oriented company and, and then say, yeah, and the, the product leadership reports into another group, right? It has to be a product group. And when I say product, I don't just mean necessarily you know, a small group of product managers with, say, a VP. What I mean is that there has to be this sort of holistic view of product because the, the one big difference between product and other uh, organizations in the company like marketing or sales or finance or services, et cetera, is that we work truly, holistically, cross-functionally across the organization, right? That's, that's what we have to do. And so, A, we can't be underneath another org, but B, when we are sitting at the table, we're not just a single silo along with other silos. And I'm not, again, disparaging the other groups. I'm just saying that the, the, the function of product is different in that cross-functional uh, focus, right? And, and, and so we have to have that autonomy to work across these groups to help align them and to help drive the company forward to product success. And, and so you need leadership who understands that. And, and this is another problem I've seen is that oftentimes, yes, you have a product org, you have a product leader, let's say a, a VP of product, but that person came from engineering or that person has never actually worked in a true cross-functional manner and doesn't understand that or isn't empowered to do that. And, and, and that's, that's, to me, uh, a recipe for failure of the product organization. And like you said, you know, I think like we're, we're, we're what we're chatting earlier, uh, you, you'd said that, you know, product gets it from all sides, right? 
<laughs> so, you know, if, if you if you don't have that autonomy or that authority to work across and influence groups, then you're not going to succeed and you're still going to get it from all sides. Right. So it's funny. how, On one hand, the criticism can come cross functionally, <laughs> but <laughs> the impact doesn't happen cross functionally, you know, or can't happen because of the way it's set up. I think I think those I mean we could get into lots of little details but I think that's the most critical thing for a as a hallmark as you said for a a, a product led organization. Mhm. So I guess that that would kind of cover the the kind of advice that you'd give to effectively the the leadership of a of an organization but do you have any kind of I guess key tips or or like immediate advice for say product leaders that are, that are trying to to play that vp role or to try and lead the product organization within a company yeah yeah no that's 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 a good follow-up so first of all i'll say this we talk product and product has many many aspects right and you know within a product org there can be ux there can be design there can be other other roles it's not just strictly product managers um but but one one thing is you know people who have a title of product okay should be in the same org and and this is my my view so you know it's funny how in many companies product management is considered product but product marketing is considered marketing and 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 the funny thing is why is that why is that we put so much emphasis on the first word in the first case and and so little emphasis on the same word in the second case right because to me product marketing is is strategic marketing at the product level the goal of product marketing is the same goal of product management it's product success or driving product success within the company so i see that as 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 a challenge sometimes where companies have product management product marketing in these separate orgs and they they aren't aligned they aren't aligned in objectives aren't aligned in actions and yet somehow they're supposed to work together I think the other one is let's look at product management itself, right? Again, two words, product and management. So the emphasis goes on product meaning the building of the product. But what's the management, right? People should understand that 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 word management, that's actually the main word. It's management of product, right? Product is the modifier. So so what is the management that's actually happening in your company? that's owned by the product management group because if all it is is building product and handing it off to a marketing group or something like that you're not really doing much management quite honestly yeah i guess there's the argument that if you're not playing too much of a strategic role that you're you're really just almost like a waiter taking orders and people are coming to you with with some requests and you're just kind of feeding them through well yeah that, which... that, that could be it but also <clears throat> as an example if you only look at it from that perspective, your your objective is not product success. Your objective is product delivery, which is which is not uh, the thing you should be focusing on, right? Uh, and and because again, the, you're missing that cross functional view of the company and aligning them. And I think this is a challenge in a lot of companies because they start off uh, without this kind of understanding because it sounds really easy yeah these are the ones who build the product and those are the ones who market the product and those are the ones who sell the product or whatever but but it 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 can't be the case cuz literally i mean quite honestly i'll say this the people who are building the product are engineering right i mean product management is driving that but 
the, 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 the impact of product management doesn't stop at the engineering level, right? All those insights, the personas, you know, the market uh, sort of drivers, all those things have to flow across the company in a line, right? So there's a lot of work that product management does that can assist and influence the work that these other groups do and bring that alignment, right? Um, and and that's, that's often missing, right? I mean, look at marketing and sales. There's all this talk about marketing and sales alignment. Why? Because they have to work together because there's a dependency and they're working towards some common goals. Well, the world doesn't start at marketing, right? There has to be alignment across the board, product, marketing, sales, service, you know, externally with partners, all, all those things need alignment. Now, you're not going to get perfect alignment, but if you really think about what elements are common across those, they're common in what you build, why you build it, who you market it to, who you sell it to, how do you package it, all those things. So that's where product management can come in and help drive that. And and I, I, I see that, like, when people talk about alignment, intrinsic, they go, yeah, that makes sense. When it comes down to how it should be done, oh no no no, product manager they have to work with engineering. Well, who who's who else is better to drive that because they're the first people who are uncovering all of that, so they should be the ones who are passing it through and helping and working. And in some companies where that does happen, I'll be honest with you, and I worked in one in Informatica. I'll use this as an example. Was pretty good at it. We weren't perfect, um, but when we got our organization structured well, having product marketing and product management together, uh, having a clear understanding that there was a, a common purpose in driving that through the company, it really made a huge difference. Like I can't tell you without, you know, another half hour of explanation, but, but it really made a huge difference. And, 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 and I, I, I just can't emphasize that enough for companies to really think holistically about aligning your organization um, and, and doing it from a product centric point of view. And, 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 and maybe that's where the problem comes in because Maybe when people think of product-centric, they think of just building product. But it, I would say maybe it's a product success-centric point of view, right? We're all driving towards product success because product success means company success. We may have different lenses on what that means, but we're all aligned in that. And there's a holistic view of it across the company. And, and that's how we become truly product-centric. Yeah, no, it's a really great point. And I think that it's almost like because so many product people seem to come from sort of engineering and development backgrounds because that's a very traditional way in, kind of feels in some ways that that's almost like a, a, a safe space for them to, to look at because, you know, that's that's what they that's what they that's where they've been. And certainly I've come from sort of a software development background before moving into product and people that are working in those areas may not have as much experience, say, in you know, product marketing or sort of client management or user interviews. But I think one of the, the biggest takeaways has always been you've got to do some of everything. And, yeah, there's this whole kind of thing about how product people are T-shaped or generalists and kind of not an expert at anything apart from obviously an expert in their product, but that they they have to be good enough to be able to, to, to kind of fight in all of those different arenas rather than just kind of stick into one. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I I think we are an expert in something. I hope we are. Is is not just in our product itself, but an expert in product management, right? Like like there there is a domain and there is a skill that's independent of all these other things that we do in understanding how to do that job well. And and I'll be honest with you, you know, okay, I've been in product for twenty something years. 
when I look back at that very first product management job and even the second or third one that I had, you know, uh, I can see a lot of blind spots that I had. I can see a lot of things I didn't know because, you know, like everyone else, I, I moved into it. There was no formal training. I took a, you know, the pragmatic marketing class way back then, uh, which, you know, great two days. And then what, like, you know, am I an expert? No, no. Uh, so, so the, 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 that domain knowledge of product management and how to execute, you know, how do you create product strategy? How do you define a, a really good product roadmap, right? How do you do proper product planning, prioritization, et cetera? How do you understand go to market? How do you optimize, you know, post that? How do you customer research? I mean, there's this whole spectrum of really difficult things to do well, and you have to do them well along with all the other, you know, business planning and other things that you're doing. So, so I think that is is a real skill, and and I know people who've come from engineering into product and been successful, but I've also seen people who were not successful, and and I don't have enough data to say what the real problem was because they're all very smart people, but but having a shift in mindset, maybe having a really good mentor when you first came in to really help you do some of those things, you know, maybe having you know, the right context in terms of the products you're working on or the product spaces you're working in. There's a whole bunch of factors that fall into it, but, but it, it's a difficult discipline. And, uh, and, and it's even harder for, let's say a leader who comes in who may not have spent 10 years doing it themselves. Right. You know, we, we need someone senior who can manage a team who understands the product and the technology. Okay. You know, Fred, let's bring you over here and, you know, we'll, we'll help you out. It, it, it's not, it's, I won't say it's a recipe for failure, but it's definitely uh, a, a problem to try and be successful in that without all the right supports. Um, and, and, and I think that's where, you know, I, I, I've seen where I can help companies, but I think that's where in general uh, product orgs tend to fail because you would never bring in a, a marketing leader. <laughs> well, maybe you would, I don't know, who's never done marketing, right? Or you'd never bring in a sales leader to, who's never done sales, right? So, you know, I, I look at the an analogies in companies. Like, would you bring in a CFO who was never a finance person, but they're really smart and capable and can figure it out? No, you never would. So so I, I, I think the same is true here. You really need to have people who are at the top of a product org who've done it, who, who've been successful, and maybe even had failures because you learn a lot from failures. But then also who can instill all that into the people below them? Because that's the other side of it, right? You're not a successful leader unless your team is successful. And if you can't lead your team to success, then how are you going to be successful, right? Yeah, I, I think a lot of it, I, I, I agree with a lot of that. Like as, as a kind of a product leader, your, your job is, is really to set the organization or set your product organization up for success. And, and kind of give them the support and the safety to to make good product decisions and and kind of uh, help them to grow and 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 defend them and, and defend their time and, and make sure that they're being pushed into the right areas. So I definitely agree with that. Yeah, yeah. I'll just I'll just use it again. You know, his name was Dwayne, and I, I I totally. I mean, I see a lot of my success in my career through him, and he was my first product management. You know, boss. Right. He was he was VP of marketing and company, but he had come from a product background as well. Um, and, and, you know, he was a great manager because he, he did a lot of things you, you just described, but boy, when I needed help, I didn't know how to do something. He, he knew exactly what needed to be done and he would, he would guide me 
and it came through having done it before, right? Like when we're doing new product research, like he had done it and he understood how to do it. And he, he really helped me clarify what I need to do, right? When I had to redo pricing on, on, a, on a complex product, right? He helped me figure out what I need to do and, you know, how I should talk to finance and, you know, the kinds of questions I should be thinking about, et cetera. So, you know, that, that experience um, was amazing because it wasn't, hey, site, you know, if you have a question, let me know, but you got to figure it out yourself or whatever. Like there's none of that or, oh, I've never done that. Hmm. Let's see if we can figure it out together. <laughs> like, like it was really, it was a really a great mentoring leadership situation. And, uh, and, and, and I just look back and I, I wonder like, had I not had someone like him and quite honestly, had I had some of my other bosses that I <laughs> later in my career, you know, what, what would have been the outcome? And, and I, I'm almost certain it wouldn't have been um, as positive and, and as impactful on me. So I, I always look at that and then I always think, you know, what would Dwayne do? I, I really do. I've asked my question this a few times and, and I see, I see that, that image of, of, you know, how he did things and why he did things and, and, and it really kind of, I don't know, I don't know if everyone's had a boss like that, but uh, I think it was a real privilege to have someone like him, and especially in that very first job. Yeah, I think it's almost like um, how some people remember that their, their favorite teacher at school or something like that, like the, the one that really helped them to thrive. And I think um, certainly from my perspective, there's, I've, of course, had good bosses and bad bosses, and I'll definitely not name any of them on either side because I don't want them to either feel too good about themselves or too bad about themselves. But um, yeah, I think that definitely my most productive times have been when you've 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 had that that cover and and that ability to to grow and that and that kind of expertise to 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 fall back on so i think that the the big takeaway from all of this is that either you need to get a good product leader to to guide you or you need to be a good product leader and, and guide your team absolutely absolutely I, I, and, and again because we don't have formal education in this because there's so many different dynamics and yes it is different from coming to company although not as different as people think um I, I think all those things are factors and, and there's, you know, there's, there's a lot of potential for real benefit for companies if they do things well. Um, and then there's a lot of potential for just harm, you know, and I've seen it. I mean, I, I, I have the privilege of looking into companies and, you know, I maybe eight or 10 a year that I, I work with. Um, and I, I get to see the insides. I get to see the good and the not so good, you know, how the sausage is made. And, uh, and, and kind of say, I mean, you know, there, there, there've been a couple of companies where on the outside, these companies look great. Like their messaging is great. Their website is good. They've got, you know, their product looks really rock solid. They've got customer references and all this stuff. And then you go inside and you're like, Oh my goodness. Like, it's like night and day, <laughs> you know, like how, how, how is this company that looks dysfunctional internally appearing like they've got their act together. Right. And, and, and it's just sheer, you know, I, I use the term heroes. There are heroes in those companies who are making things happen. But, but boy, if that company tried to scale, they would not be able to scale well. Because, or if, if a couple of those heroes left, they would be in, in real trouble. And, you know, that's not how you want to structure a company or an organization, right? That is heroics that are, you know, it's like... You know the the clash of the titans, right? If it wasn't for per- <laughs> if it wasn't for Perseus, would have been a very different outcome, right? You don't you, you don't want Perseus to like leave, right? So, 
Yeah, but also similarly, you couldn't um, you couldn't win a war against the I don't know the the Persian army with just Perseus as well, right? You know, you, you need to this to, to the scaling point. You you need to have lots of people to do that sort exactly. of thing, and exactly. uh, you, you can't just scale one team member. I think that's yeah. I, I have actually literally used the the phrase heroism doesn't scale before as a yeah. as a kind of a, a, a as a kind of talking point because yeah, you you, you need to build I guess structures around this stuff and you need to build i think as we touched on earlier like a some type of culture that supports your goals and not just rely on the fact that you know one person in the team is amazing yeah i I use you know you know this phrase uh outcomes over outputs right there's there's Mm -hmm. as well and you know that phrase gets thrown out quite a bit and yeah and it's great right it's but it's also motherhood and apple pie like yeah obviously you want outcomes and not just you know production of things but 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 the question is how? How do you do that? How do you how do you get your whole team, you know, focusing on and, and achieving outcomes, right? It's not just, hey guys, we're gonna focus on outcomes now. Here's some OKRs, right? Like it's really it's really something more fundamental to that. And I, I work backwards from 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 that. And I say, yes, outcomes are what you want, outputs are what you create, and there's nothing wrong with outputs. But if you don't have the right actions to create those outputs. And if you don't have the skills to form those actions, you'll never create the outputs and you'll definitely never get the outcome. So, so in order to understand like how to create a great team, you have to kind of decompose it back to, do we have the right people in the right roles with the right skills, doing the right things to produce the right outputs and to drive outcomes, you know, and, and and that sounds like a a consultant kind of blurb, right? But but it is absolutely true, and and you know you can use any analogy you want, right? Like we can use a sports analogy, or we can use something else. But you know, how do teams win in a sport? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the outcome is the win. The output, let's say, is goals. You're playing hockey or something like that. The actions are the plays that they have and how they respond to the opposing team, and the skills are all the fundamental things they have to do. And so you know, I understand all that. But put me on skates and I can skate. I've lived in Canada for a long time. I played hockey as a kid. But do I have the skills? Do I have those plays? Do I have the ability to, you know, interact with all the other players properly? No. Right? Uh, I'm pretty sure you could probably still get into the Leafs team now. <laughs> well, no, I have my doubts there too. But, 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 but you know what I mean? Like that, that kind of thinking, particularly about product, because it's so complex, doesn't happen very much. And, 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 and you really need to think of it at that level so that you can get people doing the right things. Because, uh, you know, I'll just use an example. I work with companies to do customer dis- research and, and, and discovery, and they're doing all the right things. Like they're having interviews or they're, you know, asking questions and, you know, doing all that. But when it comes to are they asking the right questions? Are they asking, speaking to the right people? Are they pulling out the, all the insights correctly? Are they making the right decisions to drive what they need to do. Like all those little details matter. And every one of those is like, if you think of a funnel, every one of those is a drop off point. Hmm. And every one of those that you're not doing well, you're, you're losing out. And so what, what comes out of that discovery process often is a inconclusive or very weak set of requirements. And then what happens is, well, that's what we got. Let's go build something, you know, like, like boy, (laughs) those skills and those actions did not drive the outcome and the outputs that you needed. 
And so that's where I spend time working with people. How do you get those skills and those actions so you can get those outcomes? How do you do that for product planning, et cetera? So, I mean, to me, that's a fundamental approach, I think, that, that leaders have to take. And again, if you haven't been in the trenches and done this and really understand it, it makes it much more difficult to help your team reach where they have to get. Yeah, no, I think it's a, it's a really uh, valid point that that you you need to um, I don't want to say you you need to be able to. I, I think I, I listened to a, a a podcast once. I can't remember from where, so apologies in advance to whoever wrote that podcast. But like, there's this concept of like being able to zoom in and zoom out and kind of set set the level of. Uh, of focus that and and have the ability to focus on all of the different levels depending on the need and i think that like like you say without the uh, ability to actually perform those tasks and uh, having lived that then it's always going to be difficult absolutely absolutely yeah I, I i i've heard that analogy before and i, I forget where i heard it yeah and some much much more popular podcast than this one no doubt <laughs> so where can people find you Said, if they want to uh come and uh drink from the tap of wisdom Oh, uh, so they can go to the website. It's uh, transformationlabs.io, not not .com, but .io. Uh, you know, it's good if it's a .io, right? I mean, that's that's where we that's where all the all the cool all the, uh, companies are. All the cool cats are on .io. <laughs> um, and then I'm on on LinkedIn. I, I I don't know. I think it's you know LinkedIn. site WCon is probably the you know the the last part of it. Um, I'll pop the link in the in the description. Okay. And on Twitter, it's Saeed W. Khan. So, uh, although although a friend of mine told me on Twitter, I tend to I tend to tweet less about product and more about politics lately. But I think, <laughs> I think that's that's the situ- the world we're living in right now, and, and certainly the situation we're in uh, warrants that a bit. But I, I I'm trying to balance out the the product versus non product Twitter. Yeah, well, in theory, at least uh, some of that political conversation might might fade away in November, right? Give or take, but I guess we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even in Canada, the U.S. election is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting ride. So, uh, no, thanks very much, Said, for for spending the time today. I think it's been uh, really good to sort of get some of that top level leadership, uh, consultancy type uh, opinion, and and kind of some of the best practices and some of the stuff that you've learned and. Hopefully that'll be really useful for some of our listeners as well. So I can only thank you for spending the time. Yeah, no, I really appreciate it, Jason. And I, I, I you know, thank you for having me on. No worries. Thank you very much. As ever, thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed the show today, I'd love it if you left a review, shared it with your friends, subscribed or followed the show on Facebook, Instagram or LinkedIn. I've also got a mailing list which will send exactly one message a week with a summary of the latest show and any other quality product content that's piqued my attention over the last week. If that sounds good, sign up at onenightinproduct.com and that's night with a K. Thank you very much.